Depression. He was the epitome of a self-made man. He liked to say that he had bought the house he lived in for pennies in 1930, and he had had the same intuitive knack later on for investing in shopping centers and oil wells. The fortune he had amassed was literally staggering by now. Stanley had been a genius in business, but had done little else in his life. He had no children, had never married, had no contact with anyone but attorneys and nurses. There was no one who cared about Stanley Perlman, except his young attorney, Sarah Anderson, and no one who would miss him when he left this life, except the nurses he employed. The nineteen heirs listed in the will that Sarah was once again updating for him, this time to include a series of oil wells he had just purchased in Orange County after selling off several others, once again at the right time, were great nieces and nephews he had never met or corresponded with, and two elderly cousins who were nearly as old as he was, and whom he said he hadn't seen since the late forties but felt some vague attachment to. In truth, he was attached to no one, and made no bones about it. He had had one mission throughout his lifetime, and one only, and that had been making money. He had achieved his goal. He said he had been in love with two women in his younger days, but had never offered to marry either, and had lost contact with both of them when they gave up on him and married other men, more than sixty years ago. The only thing he said he regretted was not having children. He thought of Sarah as the grandchild he had never had, but might have if he had taken the time to get married. She was the kind of granddaughter he would have liked to have. She was smart, funny, interesting, quick, beautiful, and good at what she did. Sometimes, when she brought papers to him, he loved to sit and look at her and talk to her for hours. He even held her hand, something he never did with his nurses. They got on his nerves and annoyed him, patronized him, and fussed over him in ways he hated. Sarah never did. She sat there looking young and beautiful while speaking to him of the things that interested him. She always knew her stuff about new tax laws. He loved the fact that she came up with new ideas about how to save him money. He had been wary of her at first because of her youth, and then progressively came to trust her in the course of her visits to his small, musty room in the attic of the house on Scott Street. She came up the back stairs, carrying her briefcase, entered his room discreetly, sat in a chair next to his bed, and they talked until she could see he was exhausted. Each time she came to see him, she feared it would be the last time. And then he would call her with some new idea, some new plan that had occurred to him, something he wanted to buy, sell, acquire, or dispose of. And whatever he touched always increased his fortune. Even at ninety-eight, Stanley Perlman had the Midas touch when it came to money. And best of all, despite the vast difference in their ages, over the years she'd worked with him, Sarah and Stanley had become friends. Sarah glanced out the window of the cab as they passed Grace Cathedral at the top of Knob Hill and sat back against the seat, thinking about him. Her long, dark hair was pulled neatly back. Her eyes were big and almost cornflower blue. He had commented on them the first time he saw her and asked if she wore colored contact lenses. She had laughed at the question and assured him she didn't. Her usual creamy skin was tan this time, after several weekends in Lake Tahoe. She liked to hike and swim and ride a mountain bike. 
Weekends away were always a relief after the long hours she spent in her office. Her partnership in the law firm had been well-earned. She had graduated from Stanford Law School, magna cum laude, and was a native San Franciscan. She had lived here all her life, except for the four years she spent as an undergraduate at Harvard. Her credentials and hard work had impressed Stanley and her partners. Stanley had grilled her extensively when they met and had commented that she looked more like a model. She was tall, thin, athletic-looking, and had long legs that he always silently admired. She was wearing a neat navy blue suit, which was the kind of thing she always wore when she visited him. The only jewelry she wore was a pair of small diamond earrings that had been a Christmas gift from Stanley. He had ordered them by phone for her himself from Neiman Marcus. He was not usually generous. He preferred to give his nurses money on holidays, but he had a soft spot for Sarah, just as she had for him. She had given him several cashmere throws to keep him warm. His house always seemed cold and damp. He scolded the nurses soundly whenever they put the heat on. Stanley preferred to use a blanket than be what he thought of as careless with his money. Sarah had always been intrigued by the fact that he had never occupied the main part of the house, only the old servants' rooms in the attic. He said he had bought the place as an investment, had always meant to sell it, and never had. It was a large, beautiful, once-luxurious home that had been built in the twenties. Stanley had told her that the family that had built it had fallen on hard times after the crash of twenty-nine, and he had bought it in 1930. He had moved into one of the old maid's rooms then, with an old brass bed, a chest of drawers the original owners had abandoned there, and a chair whose springs had died so long ago that sitting on it was like sitting on concrete. The brass bed had been replaced by a hospital bed a decade before. There was an old photograph of the fire after the earthquake on the wall, and not a single photograph of a person anywhere in his room. There had been no people in his life, only investments and attorneys. There was nothing personal anywhere in sight. The cab stopped at the address on Scott Street that Sarah had given the driver. She paid the fare, picked up her briefcase, got out of the cab, and rang the back doorbell. There were four floors and a basement, and the elderly nurses who tended to Stanley moved slowly. The one who finally opened the door to Sarah was relatively new, but she had seen Sarah before. Mr. Perlman is expecting you, she said politely as she stood aside to let Sarah in and closed the door behind her. They only used the service door, as it was more convenient to the back staircase they used to reach the attic. The front door hadn't been touched for years and was kept locked and bolted. Sarah followed the nurse up the stairs at a solemn pace, carrying her briefcase. The staircase was always dark, lit by a minimal supply of bare bulbs. This had been the staircase the servants had used in the house's long-gone days of grandeur. The steps were made of steel, covered by a narrow strip of ancient threadbare carpet. The doors to each floor remained closed, and Sarah only saw daylight when she reached the attic. His room was at the end of a long hall, most of it taken up by the hospital bed. To accommodate it, his single narrow dresser had been moved into the hall. Only the ancient broken chair and a small bed table stood near the bed. As she walked into the room, he opened his eyes and saw her. He was slow to react this time, which worried her. 
And then, little by little, a smile lit his eyes and took a moment to reach his mouth. He looked worn and tired, and she was suddenly afraid that maybe this time he was right. He looked all of his ninety-eight years now, and never had before. Hello, Sarah, he said quietly, taking in the freshness of her youth and beauty. To him, thirty-eight was like the first blush of her childhood. He laughed whenever Sarah told him she felt old. Still working too hard, he asked as she approached the bed and stood near him. Seeing her always restored him. She was like air and light to him, or spring rain on a bed of flowers. Of course, she smiled at him as he reached up a hand for hers and held it. He loved the feel of her skin, her touch, her warmth. Don't I always tell you not to do that? You work too hard. You'll end up like me one day, alone with a bunch of pesky nurses around you, living in an attic. He had told her several times that she needed to get married and have babies. He had scolded her soundly when she said that she wanted to do neither. The only sorrow of his life was not having children. He often told her not to make the same mistakes he had. Stock certificates, bonds, shopping centers, and oil wells were no substitute for children. He had learned that lesson too late. The only joy and comfort he had in his life now was Sarah. He loved adding codicils to his will, and did it often. It gave him an excuse to see her. "'How are you feeling?' she asked, looking like a concerned relative and not an attorney. "'I'm tired,' Stanley said honestly." keeping a firm grip on her hand with his frail fingers. I can't expect to feel better than that at my age. My body's been gone for years. All it's